Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. It's unexplainable. I'm Noam Hassenfeld. A few months ago, I called up one of our listeners. Hi there. <laughs> nice to meet you. Pau Guevara is a college student in Yucatan, Mexico, who wrote in with an idea for an episode. A while back, a single whale beached around here. And, you know, hearing that whole story made me really interested into why beachings happen in the first place. Every year, thousands of animals like whales and dolphins get stranded or beached. Sometimes it's just the one. A dead whale has washed up on a local beach. Sometimes it's way more. This week, more than 650 pilot whales beached themselves in two separate mass strandings. According to some studies, strandings have been increasing, though it's not entirely clear why. Which brings us to Pau's follow-up question. I was wondering to what extent humans are made be involved in causing beachings. You know, maybe human brought climate change or... I don't know, trade. Uh, so that's something that I'm very curious about. It turns out it's an incredibly difficult question to answer. Because while we know that humans are affecting the environment in tons of different ways, when it comes to individual species, our effects can be tougher to parse. The example of whale strandings gives us a really clear window into why this can be so hard. And it also raises a trickier question. How do you protect animals when you're not sure exactly how you're harming them? This week on Unexplainable, three scientists on what makes whale strandings mysterious to begin with, why it's so hard to tease out the role humans play, and how we might be able to help. Here's what we know for sure. Humans aren't the only cause of strandings. What happens in the modern world has been going on for millions of years. Nick Pineson is the curator of fossil marine mammals at the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History. And in 2011, he examined a group of fossils in Chile dating from well before the existence of humans. It was whale skeleton after whale skeleton after whale skeleton, complete from nose to tail. Uh, some of them stretched out almost like snow angels the kids make. I could see those stretch out for 40 feet uh, wherever I looked. Nick wanted to figure out why these whales had stranded. And he spent years piecing together clues. You know, are these baleen whales? Are they toothed whales? Uh, were they all adults? He analyzed how they were positioned, what the geology of the region was like. And eventually, he started closing in on a potential answer. 
and started moving towards this idea of, of harmful algal blooms being a cause. An algal bloom is basically what can happen when lots of minerals and nutrients run off from land into water. Algae populations explode, choking off everything around them. And we see this in the modern world. The neurotoxicity of harmful algal blooms can cause death almost instantaneously. So for millions of years, natural processes like algal blooms have caused whale strandings. But here's where things get muddy. Events like algal blooms aren't always natural. Today, they're often caused by runoff from human agriculture, which leads to a potentially frustrating conclusion. We can't really draw the line between where our effects dominate and where they don't. The biggest reason it's so hard to figure out what role humans play in strandings is because we don't fully understand strandings to begin with. Strandings are typically a mystery. Vanessa Parada is a wildlife scientist, and she says the big problem here is that every stranding involves different animals in different places under different conditions. If there was a silver bullet to go, okay, this is why whales strand, that would have come out. But there are so many variables at play. Scientists have a great list of reasons that might cause a whale stranding. And sometimes it's pretty obvious what's responsible and how it connects to humans. I don't know why people release balloons into the air. This is, if your listeners are listening to this, please do not release your balloons into the air because what goes up comes down. Basically, if you find a whale on a beach and it seems like it's just been hit by a ship or entangled in a net, it's not too hard to see the human effect. But without those obvious signs, it can be complicated to figure out what killed a whale and what role humans played. Even if you know the actual cause of a stranding, you still might not be able to figure out whether humans were involved. Take sound, for example. All whales rely on sound to get around the ocean, but different species of whales use sound in different ways. And that means human noises can impact them differently. So you have the toothed whales, which are the ones that use echolocation, and they're the ones that use the high-frequency sounds, sort of like a high-frequency pitches. And we also have the, the sperm whales. They use clicks. These toothed whales mainly use high-pitched sounds to navigate, so it's easy to imagine how sounds made by humans could mess up their whale GPS. They may be swimming along and there may be some uh, misnavigation. They, they can't see the bottom of the, the water or they, they come into land and it gets a bit tricky for them to navigate or echolocate. And as a result, they may strand. But there are other types of whales that listen for entirely different types of sound. The baleen whales, like the humpback whale and the world's biggest animal, the blue whale. And they will use these low-frequency sounds to communicate over long distances. And again, it's easy to imagine humans interfering here. So ships and underwater construction that might be interfering with whales being able to communicate. But the ocean can be a noisy place with or without humans. There also might be times where it's windy on the surface and that creates a lot of background noise that the animals find that it's quite tricky to have a conversation. It's like right now we're having a chat and there's a big garbage or dump truck behind me in my backyard and we can still have this conversation, but hold on a second, it's, it's really loud. Just let me wait for this, this truck to pass. Okay, there it is, it's gone. So given how loud nature can be on its own, 
When it comes to sound, it can be next to impossible to tease out just how much human noise specifically is interfering with whales. But even if researchers can pinpoint the exact role that human sound is playing, that's still only one possible cause of strandings. There's lots of other reasons whales can end up on the beach, even when they're communicating just fine. Like, they can actually get each other lost. So you might have an individual in the population, or the pod rather, who's not doing too well and it's leading the pod astray and unfortunately it leads them to terrible waters which is shallow and tricky to navigate. Sometimes the entire pod can be navigating perfectly, but they're actually being hunted. So there might be a killer whale that is trying to get a group of whales or dolphins into an area and unfortunately the animals are so petrified that they will strand. Other times, it might just come down to illness. A whale might be too weak to fight the current. These animals are susceptible to disease like we are as humans. They're mammals. They can pass on things to each other. But again, even if you do get proof that a whale died of an illness or got lost, you can't always rule out human involvement. Because as our listener Pow mentioned at the top, humans are consistently and rapidly changing the environment through climate change. And that is seeing a reduction in sea ice, which is bad news for animals that rely on food in the Arctic and Antarctic areas. You might see the reduction in homes for Antarctic krill, which is a main food source that the Southern Hemisphere humpback whales will feed on. Less food leads to hungrier, weaker whales who might be more susceptible to disease and then get stranded. When a scientist tries to piece together the chain of events that led to a stranding, they need to consider all of these potential variables. Plus, it can be even harder because whales travel huge distances and can be hard to study and track. And on top of that, strandings can just be hard to witness. It's not a time where you can sort of, oh, okay, we've got so much time to work out what's happening here. It's emotional. People are exhausted. They're working in cold environments, cold conditions. And to see animals die around you, it's awful. It's, it's, it's a really, it's a difficult thing. But there's at least one whale detective who remains unfazed because she kind of has to. If I start thinking about the animal's suffering and the misery for it, then I lose my objectivity and my focus. Darlene Ketton is the person you call if you want to figure out what happened to your beached whale. I don't mean to sound like a cold fish, which a beaked whale would cheerfully eat. But that's how your brain works when you're trying to understand what happened to this animal. Darlene's focus has led to a ton of whale adventures and some weird phone calls. I have found that, you know, if I'm out with friends or something, I shouldn't take a call and say, oh, how long do you think it's been dead? It's actually given her a pretty great nickname. Some people have started referring to me as Dr. Doom because they only see me when something's dead. After the break, Dr. Doom and a whale investigation. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. 
Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Unexplainable, we're back. Before the break, we talked about all the different reasons whales can end up stranded and why it's really hard to tease out the role that humans play. But to get a sense of why it's so hard to actually solve individual whale strandings, we called up a researcher at the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution, Darlene Ketton, a.k.a. Dr. Doom. Whenever there is a stranding, there is a team of scientists, and I'm one of them, that they contact, and we have to look at the dead bodies. So it really is a forensics problem. Basically, it's law and order, but for whales. In the aquatic justice system, the dedicated detectives who investigate strandings are members of an elite squad known as marine biologists. These are their stories. When we look at the dead bodies, they tell us a great deal about the animal. All right, people, what have we learned? So it's really a way to unlock the lives of the animal. She's definitely going to whelm me when she finds out I told you all this. So we can tell if a female has had calves. She was pregnant. Depending upon the species, we can maybe tell the age. 35 years old, she's a cupcake baker. It can be difficult because while we can indirectly understand from looking at the animal and from checking its vital signs and so on, we don't have a health record. No records, nothing on social media. They don't carry medical ID cards with them. No siblings, her father's deceased, her mom's in an assisted living in Boca. Their relatives won't talk to us. And it's nothing on security cameras. And we do the best job we can, but sometimes it's an unsolved case. And we can only about 50% of the time, if that much, give you a solid answer of why that animal died and why it's stranded. Darlene and other researchers, they'll look at stomach contents, they'll check eyes for cataracts, they'll probe wounds, and sometimes the answer becomes clear. But especially when it comes to trying to figure out the role humans play in strandings, things get really complicated really quickly. Take one example from 2000. I got a phone call from some people in the Bahamas that had suddenly beaked whale strandings, about 12 animals all over the beach. If you've never seen a beaked whale, they are wild. Beaked whales are really alien looking. The males have huge tusks on either side of their jaws, and they have a very long frontal area, what's called a rostrum, which is like your nose being pulled way out. So Darlene got this phone call, and she went to the Bahamas to check out the whales. Some of them were still on the beach, so she went to see them and smell them. 
The smell is called cadaverine. It's gases that dead bodies exude. Some of the whales hadn't been discovered right away, so they were pretty decayed. But some of them were ready to be examined. A few of the heads were collected um, and kept in freezers. So I went, as, as did some other people, and we dissected those. Darlene shipped one of the heads back to her lab at Woods Hole in Massachusetts so it could be put in a CT scanner. And when she dissected some of the heads, she found that the ears on these whales had blood in them. What we found out later was that there was a cooperative Navy exercise using sonars in the area where all these beaked whales stranded. And that blood in the inner ear led some people to say it was the sound of the sonars. That must have destroyed their ears. But Darlene says that sonar may not have directly harmed the ears. Instead, because of other research she's seen, she thinks this pattern of ear blood might have come from the whales experiencing a particular kind of stress. I can't really say panicking. And freaking is not quite the right word but becoming very disturbed by a novel sound. So Darlene thinks that sonar may have caused these whales to panic, which caused them to speed off blindly, and that's why they stranded. But she doesn't have definitive proof that's what happened. And even if she had that proof, she'd still only know that sonar caused these specific whales to strand. Because other species of whales react completely differently to sonar. Pilot whales, when they hear a Navy sonar, they'll actually try to mimic it. So it's not like sonar always hurts whales. That being said, Darlene's research has had real effects. Her work, as well as research from others, has been able to convince people that in certain specific areas, it's better to be safe than sorry, even if we don't have all the answers. And since then, many of the navies, not all, around the world, don't do sonar exercises where beaked whales are. So now Darlene just needs to keep doing work like this for all the different types of whale strandings. Painstakingly piecing together clues for who knows how many different mysteries. Every animal is a different story. Every beaching might be a different reason. There's nothing more frustrating than a jigsaw puzzle with four pieces that are gone and you'll never see the whole picture. But you can try digging deeper under the couch, between the cushions, looking for the pictures that are in cases of people like me. That's what keeps us in the lab and on the beach is looking for more and more information. And as many of the pieces of that jigsaw as you can get is the only way you're going to begin to understand what that larger picture could be. In the end, we might never have a complete answer to our listener Pow's question of how much humans are responsible for whale strandings. And the same could be said for countless other ways that humans affect various species around the world. So scientists will keep digging behind couch cushions for more puzzle pieces. Each one gives us a slightly better sense of the harm that we're causing and how we might be able to respond. We really enjoyed not answering Pow's question, so if you have a question with an unexplainable answer that you think we'd like to dive into, there's a form on our website that we'd 
love for you to fill out. It's at vox.com slash unexplainable. This episode was produced and co-reported by me, Bird Pinkerton. Noam Hassenfeld wrote the music and edited the episode along with Brian Resnick and Meredith Hodnott. Mandy Nguyen checked the facts. Thank you, Mandy. Christian Ayala did our mixing and sound design, and we had extra help from Catherine Wells and Afim Shapiro. Lauren Katz heads up our newsletter, and Liz Kelly Nelson is the VP of Vox Audio. If you want more whale content, Nick Pyanson wrote one of my all-time favorite books about cetaceans. It's called Spying on Whales. So we'll link to that and to an article about Darlene Ketton's sonar detective work in our newsletter, which you can sign up for at vox.com slash unexplainable. And then if you have thoughts, please email them to us. We're at unexplainable at vox.com. And if you feel like leaving, say, a nice review or a rating, I know that we would all really appreciate it. Unexplainable is part of the Vox Media Podcast Network, and we'll be back next week. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.